Hello, everyone. Welcome to Deliberate Connections, the podcast all about deliberately connecting and the impact it has on our world. I am your host, Christiana Frank, a consultant in education, corporations, and mental health. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Deliberate Connections with Christiana Frank. Uh, This podcast is focused on people who are deliberately connecting with themselves, others, materials, and the world at large. Today, I have with me Dr. Christopher Bond, who has over 13 years of experience as an accomplished senior level executive manager, works in both businesses and in education, and is currently the superintendent at Raton School District in New Mexico. Good morning, Dr. Bond. Good morning, Christiana. Thank you for having me back. Oh, thank you so much. You know, we have been working together because I have uh, gotten the opportunity to read your white paper. My principal uses the F word, transforming organizations in critical condition. And I got so excited by the language you were using, by the aha moments I had, that a few months ago, I um, I asked you if we could interview you uh, chapter by chapter, which you've been so gracious. I thank you so much. It's been so educating pulling apart the chapters, um, which are going to be published at the same time as this. And um, so, yeah, so if we're going to do an overview today is the goal. If, if you're still up for it, I'm hoping because I got you here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Good. So, you know, um, this is the overview. And then I, I guess what I would like the listeners to know, that is, if you'd like to know more about one specific chapter, you can see those. Um, but to do this, just to get started for a sense of who you are for those of uh, those folks that are just tuning in, who are you? And, and when I say that to somebody, it's, you know, I know in this world, people say my why, and you could maybe bounce off of that. But instead of me introducing you, I, I like folks to introduce themselves because I feel like I am a different person today than I am yesterday based on information and experience. So today, Dr. Bond, who are you? Well, Christiana, you know, it's always hard to talk about yourself, but yes. I would have to probably say that um, I've done a lot in my life. I'm sort of an eclectic. Um, I've changed my language from being a risk taker to being a trailblazer to now saying or using the term renegade. Um, I grew up extremely poor. Uh, I grew up in a house with my mom working two or three jobs and and her taking care of my aunts and uncles and all their kids and my grandmother who had multiple sclerosis and wasn't able to work anymore. So we had a household with, you know, anywhere from 15 to 20 people living there at any given time with only one person bringing in revenue. So I didn't have really the best relationship with my mom. Um, But I can certainly tell you, I admire her. And I believe that I've inherited a lot of her great qualities because she'd never complained one day about having to go to work three jobs just to make sure that everybody in the household had something to eat. It might not always been the best food. Um, I learned at an early age that, that I needed to just not be comfortable and I needed to push myself through the threshold. Um, I was an athlete um, and I will tell everybody this. I wasn't an athlete because I love sports. I didn't love football. I didn't love wrestling. I didn't love soccer, but I learned right away in high school that if you were an athlete, you got to go into the back of the cafeteria and have sort of a smorgasbord of whatever you wanted to eat. And uh, growing up, uh, we were poor, so I had a little lunch ticket, and I used to be able to get a piece of cheese toast, which was just a piece of French bread that had been toasted, like a cracker, 
with some commodity cheese on it. And that would be in some days, that's all I got to eat. So I talked to the coach one day and said, Hey, how do I get to go back there and, and, and eat the egg and burritos and the chorizo and all the other things? Cause I was hungry. And he says, well, if you come out and play football, I said, well, what do I got to do? Well, you've got to be up at four o'clock every morning in the weight room. I said, I don't know how to get here. My mom's at work. He says, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to drive by your house in the morning at four o'clock and I'm going to beat my horn and I'm not going to stop the truck. You have to get in the truck without me stopping. So I remember getting up at four o'clock in the morning and diving in the back of his little Datsun so that I could get a free ride to the weight room so that I could eat every day. And from there, it's history. I, I learned that if you take some chances, if you're renegade, you go beyond your comfort zone. You know, surely I wanted to sleep in in the morning, but I was getting up at four o'clock every morning and lifting weights. And um, that paid for me to go to college and paid my undergraduate degree. So I sort of have, you know, people talk to me, they're like, man, you've done a lot. You've owned a business that brought concerts in. You've trained dogs. You're an archer. You're a fly fisherman. You've been a school teacher. Um, now you're a consultant. And a lot of people look at me and think, well, you know, that this can't be true. He's in his 40s. He can't have done all these things. I've worked in uh, probation. Uh, I was a gang specialist in a school district. I was high school security. I went to chef school. Um, it's just because there's a lot of things that interest me. And that has sort of guided my thought processes that, you know, every time somebody is comfortable and doesn't want to move beyond that, then they become complacent. And then all those little negative thoughts start happening and, you know, people get fear and scare and anxiety and all those other things. And I sort of just have the other attitude is that, you know what, this can't hurt me. And maybe I'm going to learn something from it. And so um, I was a school teacher and I noticed that my kids didn't want to come to class. So instead of blaming them and their parents and, oh, these parents don't care about kids. And um, I decided to look in the mirror and say, what is, what is it that I'm doing that kids don't want to be in my classroom? Yeah. And I realized right away it was boring. It was monotonous. So I started doing things to have fun. We built an outdoor habitat with a monsoon garden. I taught the kids in science entomology and we tied flies and then we'd get, we'd go out and fly fish at the urban lakes and the kids would catch fish with the flies. And I got to tell you why I ended up writing this paper is because my test scores and my attendance rate were blowing the others out of the water. And yet I was being criticized because people would say, if your kids are having fun, then they must not be learning anything. And my students' test scores were outperforming the test scores of everybody else. And so I chose not to listen. I continued to have fun and be innovative and be a renegade. And pretty soon people stopped questioning me because, hey, he's getting things done. Let's, let's just leave him alone because he's performing. So I sort of took that into the other parts of my profession when I was an assistant principal. Um, I noticed that the staff wasn't coming to work. We had high uh, you know, absenteeism. People were sick all the time. Teachers were always in the office complaining that students were the problem. And I realized right away that teachers weren't having fun. The staff wasn't having fun. So we started doing some things to have a lot more fun. And of course, immediately, I started getting criticized by the school district. Because if you're having fun, there must not be any real work going on. And But pretty soon that phased out because we were outperforming everybody else and they were now starting to send people to our organization to find out what we were doing 
that was making us outperform everybody else. And then I became a principal and I took that same concept. And now I'm a school superintendent and a consultant. And I work with some businesses. I've even done some consulting work for you. And the whole thing and the whole concept behind it is if you want to grow, it's just like being in the weight room. You have to become uncomfortable. You have to get a little bit sore, but you have to feel good about that at the same time. And um, so I'm big about having fun. I'm big about creating a welcoming environment. I'm big about deliberately choosing to be positive because the world around us, the media, everything makes money off of negativity. So I am deliberate in my decision to smile every day, to recognize the beauty in people, to to take advantage. I mean, I'm up in an area that it snows all the time and I'm going to tell you it's gorgeous. And I really appreciate when the sun comes out and I make it a point to highlight that in my life and to the people around me. You know, I think forever because of that. I mean, I'm not always going to have maybe guests that can speak as eloquently as you because it is a skill set, right? You've, you've, you've either learned this. I don't know if you were born with it, but you've learned how to really be able to communicate effectively. I, I'm thinking here going, I'm always going to have people introduce themselves because I don't think that I give, you know, I can't give that whole feeling or picture because I wasn't there and I'm able to visualize it and um, just your deliberate approach to life. And I have so many questions and statements after this. I'm going to try to narrow it down is a couple of things. One thing that stood out is I think if you're working with businesses or with students or with whoever is asking yourself, not everybody else, what's wrong with you? Why don't you want to show up to my class? But taking pause and asking yourself, what could I be doing different? Am I really being deliberate? You know, if I'm the orchestra, if I'm, you know, running this orchestra, so to speak, and, and the musicians don't want to show up, what do I need to do different? And I think a lot of people don't look at that. They kind of just lean into the fact well, you know, right now we're at the end of this, this, this 2020 global pandemic where I've watched a lot of people kind of lean into, well, I've lost motivation and it's this fault and this fault and this fault instead of going, hey, wait, what could I do to, to create that experience for myself and others? That was one. The second thing that I just have to speak to is, you know, that the, the, the deliberateness of being okay, being uncomfortable. You know, getting comfortable with the uncomfortable in society. I was speaking to a group yesterday. I go, you know, society knows, we know generationally, you know, you're going to go to the gym and if you're really working at it, you're going to be sore the next day. And that's okay. And, and we've gotten into our mindsets that that's part of that process. You're going to get sore. You're going to get strong, you know, and if we could start reframing that with the muscles in our head or the, our behavior, you know, sometimes we're going to go out there with our behavior and we're going to take those calculated or uncalculated risks. And we're going to go, Oh, that was the wrong thing. That hurts a little bit, but society still needing to understand that that's building that social muscle, which is in your brain. It's not always going to be easy and you're going to say the wrong thing. I mean, I could probably listen to a bunch of my podcasts and go, did I really say that? you know, but I'm coming from a place of love and kindness. Maybe my words got twisted up, you know, try to give each other grace and dignity, but being able to be uncomfortable. And then the other thing I just had to speak to, because I could go off on tangents with you all day. Being with you, Dr. Bond, always makes me a smarter person. And I don't mean to embarrass you, but I thank you for that. You open up my brain to, to such a, a different way to look at things. Um, there is, uh, I think it's, I'm going to say this right. The book is called Joy. Um, I didn't, I don't pre-plan to say anything. So I'm trying to grab it in my brain. So um, 
well, that's not true, but I didn't pre-plan this, is Joy and it's Gandhi is involved in it and writing it. And they speak to the idea of, you know, for years we studied, you know, anxiety and frustration and grief and sickness. It's only in the last couple of years that we've been studying joy and peace and love and, and assessing it. I can go to my doctor right now. And if I'm having an anxiety attack, dear goodness, don't let that happen. But I'm having an anxiety attack. They can show me assessments and they can give me a pill. Right. But it's only in the last two years that we're starting to assess how to build joy and hope and encouragement. And so I, I really had to jump in with those because uh, you know me, when you spark, when you spark an idea, I'm like, look at all these things that attach to you, to what you're saying. So, you know, you've got this, this paper. I, I'm, I totally dove in both feet. We've been discussing it for a while. I've read it numerous times. If anyone would like it, and I'll repeat this again, um, and I'll add a little tag when I have it posted somewhere, but if you want it immediately, you can email hello at christianafrank.com and I'll connect you with Dr. Bond and or send you the white paper. Um, and but moving through, because I, I just want to keep talking about how all this makes sense, is why, when, when, when and why did you write this? Well, again, Christiana, um, I, I teach at the university um, and I work with grad students and I work with doctoral students and Many of those individuals that are in my graduate level courses are currently professionals in education. So I, I try to use more of a clinical based uh, approach to teaching my classes. Like we use scenarios and we work through the scenarios, looking at the theory and the things that we learn to try to solve those scenarios. And, and often I will have um, my graduate students bring in some scenarios that they're faced with that are sort of been an ongoing dilemma that hasn't been solved over the years. And when we were doing that process, I realized that we'd almost have to do flipping the coin or do some kind of lottery system to pick up which scenario we were going to use because people were coming in with 15 or 20 scenarios just from that day at work. And constantly questioning their own worth and if they really wanted to stay in education. And, and it was funny because when we were working through the scenarios, I, I, I would tell them just be, be a renegade. You know, one of the scenarios that sort of led me to write in this paper was in Arizona, they stopped having pep assemblies because pep assemblies don't count for instructional minutes. And so everybody was, you know, half of the group was happy because they didn't have to supervise kids in this unruly transition and, you know, all this stuff going on. And the other half was upset because they looked forward to the Friday pep assemblies where we wish off the football team and the cheerleaders and everybody is celebrating. And so I said to them, why don't you just be a renegade? And they're like, well, give us an example. I said, well, let's make it educational so we can count the instructional minutes. Well, explain, why can't we get the cheerleaders to stand up and hold up these big bulletin boards and say, freshmen, you have, you know, 235 days before you take the AIMS test and you exceed the standards. And, and remember, we're going to be focusing on functional text. And here's a functional text. And you do that at the very beginning and you get the kids excited. And then you bring out the band and, the, and, and, and their faces would drop like, this can't be done. It must be illegal. It, it's it's so easy, it's so rudimentary that it must not be 
copacetic. It should not be conducive. And, and the more and more I started to do that, their eyes started opening up and they're like, wow, we could actually have some fun with this. I, I, I think it's in my paper. If it's not, it'll be in my follow-up, but professional development for teachers, most schools have early release days and everybody's lagging to get to professional development because they've just worked with kids. It's a half day. Everybody is stressed out and you know, they're lollygagging to get there. People are walking in late. Um, and many of my professional, and in fact, in many of my schools, I've created a special room just for professional development. And I've been known to put in fog machines and, uh, a disco globe and ball. I've dressed up in seventies with belt bottoms and an Afro and shown up to do professional development. And it got to be at the end, people would literally run to professional development because they wanted to see what crazy antic that I was going to put on because they couldn't believe it. One time I dressed up cowboy with chaps and cowboy boots and spurs. And, you know, it was Western themed and, and, and then people, when they would present at our own schools, they would come up with their own theme. So it became fun. And we always, I went out and bought a popcorn machine. So we always had popcorn popping in the office. And so it wasn't a place of negativity. We would have the teacher make fresh homemade Otis Spudamucker cookies and the scent would be going through, the, you know, PD and people wanted to be there now. And that was half the battle. We got them there. Now they're excited and they're laughing and they're able to fail and they're able to be a risk taker and our professional development grew. And I can sure I can assure you in every one of my organizations that I've worked in, our achievement went up, our attendance rate improved for teachers and students, our dropout rate went down. And it wasn't because we brought in these CAN programs or these revolutionary speakers that just come in and speak one time and leave. It was because we changed the climate and culture of the organization. So I wanted to put that into writing for other people, those people that aren't in my graduate level courses and, and give some stories and some scenarios and show them how it was, yeah, this, this seems like a doom and gloom, but look how we turned it around because we looked in the mirror and we decided we were going to change our attitude about it. And it's okay to be renegade. And let me tell you, I fail often. And I fail hard, but you know what? I learn a lot through that failure. So I really don't see it as failure as I see it as growth opportunities. You know, yes. And there's, all you know, so failure is fertilizer and all these things. The first thing that comes to my head is, you know, when I go into, when I go into some organizations, whether it's business education or whatnot, I'm met with the resistance of there is no time. And I'm very um, empathetic about that statement because of the workload that our teachers are getting and, you know, some mental discourse we've had this year. Um, but what I think that uh, it needs to be a solid message here is you carve out a little bit of time to raise that energy. And, and I hear people saying uh, climate and uh, culture and energy, but they're taught our psychological safety or feeling like a feeling of belonging, which is a, a new like verbiage for this next year. Like we all want to feel like we belong somewhere, especially after being, you know, staying in our homes for a year or whatever that looked like. But what I want people listening out there, if you're in the education world uh, or if you're in um the business world and you are managing teams or you're part of a team, putting yourself out there as far as giving that energy, because it's, 
we've always heard people say it's not what you do, but how you do it. But that's so important. I can walk across the street six different ways, but sideways. And each way I walk across the street is going to give me a different result, especially if I'm meeting someone on the other end. Am I walking towards them in anger? Am I smiling? Am I spreading joy? Am I giving information that the results will be different based on the energy you give? And, and folks listening to this that are maybe curious about how to change their culture and then also concerned that there is no time, I'd like you to consider that when you give that little bit of extra time and put that energy in, you get energy back tenfold. And then that just keeps fueling. And then your teams rise together with both that collective give and take. So I feel, you know, my last question, but I feel um, I was going to ask, you know, why is this relevant in business and education organizations today? But I mean, I can't think of it to not be relevant in any time to create a collective energy in an environment to get a better outcome. And, and, you know, and you can create a collective energy. I mean, we've all been in those environments to create a different energy to get a terrible outcome. You know, we've all been in those organizations at one time or not. So, but as far as the relevancy, um, and I'm going to add one more question at the end that's coming to mind. What is going to be, why is it relevant? And then I'll remind you of the next question. And then what are some simple jumping off points? So if somebody's listening to this and they're going, you know, I see the relevancy. This guy speaks really great. I could see myself dressing up in this 70s costume. I have that confidence. I'm going to show up in my PDs in a costume and we're going to have fog machines and food. Um, but they have, But where's that time? So the relevance first, why do you feel like this is relevant or impactful for this approach of just fun in education and business? Well, it's because as humans, we're subject to fall towards negativity and blame. And so I will tell everybody in the room, I am not an actor. I don't smile. I don't, I'm not good. Yesterday was a administrative assistance day. If it wasn't for my administrative assistant, my administrative assistants in the district would have been forgotten because I'm not a party planner. And I know that about myself. And so I am not a big believer in passion and potential and motivation and engagement because that comes and goes. I believe that you have to make things very deliberate. And so if we know that we tend to become negative or to look at the bad things in an organization or focus on blaming other people, then you have to deliberately counter it. And so I, I know I, I don't smile and I will tell you, I force myself to smile all the time. And what a difference it makes with my interactions with other people. That's just one simple little thing. I stand out in front of my office. I greet people. When I cook on Sundays, I make way more than I need because I, I love to take food into my office and, and share because we can have great conversations. I literally sit down and eat with the faculty and staff in the lunchroom, and I don't talk about business or school. I talk about family and friends and hobbies. Um, those are just some real neat starting points. But why this is relevant is because in an organization, there's only three things that can change. You can change yourself, 
You can change the organization or you can change your profession. And the reality is you only have two options if you're going to keep the same job. And that is you got to look in the mirror and decide what things you can change that are going to make the organization better. And that in itself is changing the organization. And so I have been a huge fan of this from the very beginning, but I've learned from the very beginning that it's got to be deliberate. You, you know, I've talked to a lot of people that have skydived. I don't know if I'm quite renegade enough to do that yet, but they say you don't have to be motivated to do it. You just got to jump. You know, there's not enough motivation in the world that's going to make you just jump out of a plane. You just have to do it. You have to be renegade enough to do it and know that you're going to have these weird feelings in your stomach. You're going to panic. You're going to have an anxiety attack, but then eventually you're going to feel in bliss. And uh, I, I, I listened to uh, Will Smith on TV one time talk about that you just have to jump. And he lived and he was glad that he did it because once he got through the anxiety, the fear, the fear of death, the anticipation of death, then he felt this extreme bliss that he had never experienced any time in his life. And I think that's sort of the attitude that we have to have. Start small. Start doing things. Like, it's okay to let people sp spend an extra five minutes at lunch. That's not going to ruin your organization. Yeah, It's okay to have a barbecue to celebrate a birth of one of your employees' um, sons or daughters or uh, a grandkid graduating, take time to invest in your people. You're going to get the return. I know people love to criticize Amazon and Google and these big Fortune 500 companies, but when you go on their campuses, Disney, and see how they treat their employees and how they invest in their employees, you really can't criticize them when you look at their stock value. They're the top performing you know, organizations, and they let their employees take time to rest. They let their employees go and eat healthy snacks and meals because they understand the value of the, the vagus nerve. They, <laughs> that's more important to them and they're getting better productivity and they're getting better creativity and they're getting divergent thinking because they're not being so regimented and they're letting people have fun with it. So that has become the new word in our society it's not the F word as we know it, fun. People think that if we're having fun, that we're not being productive, we're not, we're not working, we're not learning. And I can argue that it's completely the opposite. And you and I were just having this conversation before the interview when you were discussing the book Joy and you were discussing that when people have fun, their productivity increases. And you can go overboard, I get it, but I would rather go overboard and then set some parameters than saying that I'm going to come in so rigid that people are afraid to be renegade or to be trailblazers or to be risk takers. Um, so I, I just, I just encourage everybody just do some little fun things, smile every day, go out and greet your people, give a, give away pencils. I'm always getting free stuff from vendors and I make sure that I give it out. You know, I don't need a thousand pencils in my office. I give it to people. Um, take time to go visit people, when their kids are being born and they're in the hospital, let them know that you value them. Those are some simple things that we can all do. And then when you get comfortable with it, 
get out of your comfort zone and, and your in your skin and put on the the 70s wig with <laughs> the baby blue belt bottoms and and throw on some Aretha Franklin right before professional development with the fog machine watch how the climate and the organization changes and now people are dying to work for you instead of dying to get out of the organization I, it's just fantastic. You know, science, the things that you wrote in this paper and what you've been speaking to for as long as I've known you is all being just birthed in science right now where they're talking about, and I do believe this is some of the more recent things being that it's April, 2021. And if I'm incorrect, somebody can message me at hello at christianring.com is, but as you know, I'm a neuroscience nerd and I'm just getting, I just love it. Like, why do people do what they do and how can we get ourselves to feel better doing our stuff? But, you know, um, working uh, this morning with a group, uh, we were talking about the mirror neurons and, you know, if you literally smile at someone, it opens up their brain to be able to learn more effectively. And if our education and our organizational infrastructures are now talking about psychological safety and belonging, who doesn't feel like they belong more when there's somebody smiling at them? And I mean, that's something you can do to create fun or the F word in a school with no cost to you. And the other thing is, is it's making your brain have the happy chemicals. And so you're going to learn more effectively. So, I mean, even if we, I don't want to sound like a, you know, like a Hallmark card or a Tony Robbins speech even though he's amazing, is uh, is uh, just a smile. Just smiling can make everything better and it's free. Um, you know, Dr. Bond, I have to tell you, it has been an absolute pleasure, an absolute pleasure. And I'm pretty um, excited when I heard you say that you're going to write a follow-up to this paper. Am I correct? In- yes. Did I just I, I would like to work? write a follow-up. Yes. <laughs> now we're all expecting it. Um, so I have to end with this. That skydiving analogy was absolutely perfect. I've always wanted to do it. I thought about, you know, jumping out of the plane. You're right. You're kind of at the, you know, just whatever's going to happen happens. You know, there's the whole metaphoric idea of you're going to get bugs in your teeth on the way down and you're going to have to, and maybe you'll, you'll land and hopefully you won't sprain your ankle, but what if you do, and then you try it again and you do it again, less bugs in your teeth the next time. And maybe next time you land on both feet, but that's where the real learning they're finding out scientifically takes place is when you do trip and fall once or twice. Um, but bringing that fun in, I know for me, when my teachers or my employers were fun. That's what I remember now being 47 years old. As I remember the teachers who brought fun in and helped me learn how to have fun with content. That's the content I remember. So I thank you so much. I am really hopeful I can, you know, convince you to continue to be on podcasts off and on. Uh, This is Dr. Christopher Bond. Thank you so much. Did you have any final words uh, that you wanted to say? So I want everybody today to be deliberate, deliberate and smile, smile at everybody you can see. Just be deliberate about it and have fun. Put on your favorite music and put it on as loud as you can and sing along. And who cares how you sound? Have fun today. Thank you, everyone. Until next time, have a wonderful day. 